My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. In Search of the Sacred, journal entry. The term sacred means to be connected with God or to be close to God. I like the sound of that. When I was in my 20s, I wrote a book called Cathedral of the Wild. The title was an attempt to capture the often unseen presence of the sacred in wild places. Sometimes, walking through a wild place, I would find myself stepping across an invisible threshold into the feeling one might encounter in one of the ancient churches of Europe. A stillness that felt alive, as if the air was infused with holiness. I was suffering with severe depression at the time that I wrote the book. Yet in nature, close to towering trees and in empty wild places, I felt connected to an almost innate reverence. In those places, briefly, the depression would lift and all anxiety would fall away. I started to believe that the mental turmoil I felt was an undiagnosed homesickness for the land and what it held. It seemed to me that in wilderness there were particular places where the feeling of being close to God was dramatically amplified. Forests and gorges. Places where, in the face of ancient forces, we glimpsed ourselves in a scale of time beyond comprehension. Places where cut stone and ancient watercourses made us face eternity. Later, I learned that all of the churches of Europe were built on pagan sites of worship. Sites that those early nature worshippers had known had some kind of amplified energy. And what does that even mean, amplified energy? I don't know, but I have felt it. All I know is that at that time, I had become hungry for the sacred as medicine for how grey and dull my life had become. It was like, if I could find something sacred, I could find a reason for being. I'm still hungry to understand. What makes the sacred sacred? But now, my quest is not to stave off depression, but rather to in some ways deepen my life. I'm fascinated by how something in us seems innately capable of recognizing the sacred. Even now, in a world that would tindify love and commodify art, it is somehow present. We see it at the moment a child is born. It is there as we sit at the bedside of a loved one as they pass. I want to know if the sacred is innate. Can it be made? And if it can be made, how do I do that in a way that respects the past, yet makes space for the realities of contemporary life? 
since coming back from the tree, I'm undoubtedly different. I mean, not totally different, but I cannot deny that there is a stillness that took deeper root in me. I've been on my phone. I spent a week doing Zoom calls for my business. I spent time with my family, playing inside that old Ramdas joke of, if you want to test your spiritual progress, spend a week with your family. I watched myself get really worried by talk that South Africa may be locked down till May of next year. That seemed like a very, very long time. Through all of this return to normal life, there was no denying that there is a new stillness in me. I feel it in strange ways. I am radically less reactive. In fact, I'm watching my reaction more. A deep inclination to judge, mostly myself, but also others, has given way to a kind of observation. I feel fundamentally more gentle. I really believe that in solitude I found a deeper stillness. Now I want to go in search of the sacred. I want to steep myself in the sacred, whatever that is. I've been callous by life. The tree showed me that. There are shells I was wearing without even knowing it. If I could now, like a tracker, attune myself to the track of the sacred, what would I find? One of the amazing things about any kind of transformation is that if you can make one small change, then you show yourself that the possibility to change exponentially exists in your life. The time in the tree had shown me I can go way deeper. I'm hungry to do that. And I like the edge of being alone in the wild. I feel like I'm meeting myself there. In a dream last night, I was in the branches of a giant fig tree I know that grows way down in the south of Londolozi. A chiraco cut through the green of the fig leaves in flashes of purple wings. It was vivid, colourful. Suddenly, I was in a retro-decked basement in Beverly Hills. A woman was holding my hand and sobbing as a ceremony unfolded in the most unlikely place. The dream morphs. Again, I see myself at a Navajo sweat that is delayed to start because the medicine man is late from his construction job. I'm dreaming a memory. The shaman arriving in construction clothes with a hard hat. Three hours later, he is something totally different to that first impression. Then I was alone on a plain, flanked by 800-year-old leadwood trees on a moonlit night. A baboon is screaming his alarm call into the night as the outline of a leopard shadow drifts past where I sleep. Ra'u! Ra'u! The dream was vivid, but I forgot about it completely until the middle of the next day. I was sitting in the ranger's room at Londolozi camp, waiting for a kettle to boil. The room had the kind of ambience of a soldier's mess tent. Images of insects and trees are stuck on an information board. A bookshelf is anchored in place by the skull of a rhino that died years ago. The coffee station has the jaw of a crocodile next to it. Pods of tree seeds, camera bags and pressed flowers cover all surfaces, along with guidebooks and a rifle case. A handheld radio crackled in the background when suddenly my eye locked onto the map 
of the entire property that hangs on the wall there. The dream was back in an instant. I could find the mark on the map where that fig tree grows. I know the plain where those leadwood trees seem to hold space for something ancient. I saw a range of hills where the stone feels magnetized by the stars, called Southern Cross Copies. I remembered how in that basement in Beverly Hills, I knew something sacred was happening, in a setting with almost no connotation for me to the sacred. The sacred is not just a place, but what happens in places. I'll have to start with what I can. I'll work with the track I have. I will go to the sacred sites of this land to explore the sacred. I think the sacred is archetypal. It's an energy of life. I will walk alone to specific places on the land, sleep on the ground, meditate, be still, ask those places to help me understand. I will go unassisted on my own two feet to places that call me. You have to understand, I'm not really a beaded necklace kind of guy. I'm open to the mystery, but I'm not a hippie. It's not all good vibrations with me. In fact, I tend to be turned off by too much heart clutching and incense burning. I'm allergic to anything that feels like we're contriving our way to a show of depth. But I want to remember life in that way. If I could awaken that, how far could I walk that sacred nature into the world? I want to know it when I see it. I want to be able to feel it. But more than anything, I want to understand and learn how to make the sacred. I would like to understand the secret of the sacred. I might not find anything. But as I sit here, I can think of five places that are calling me. I could go to them. I could go see what the ground says. I guess the opposite of the sacred is the profane. Must I go there too? The light and the dark. The whole yin-yang. That will be my next quest. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty. Twitter at Boyd Varty. Visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.